It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Mance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to this week's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. This is Austin Peterson, one of your hosts, and my co-host Landon Mance are excited to have in studio today with us Everett Jesse of Fossil Outdoor. Everett, thanks for being with us today. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting to uh, be able to talk to you a little bit about the business. Yeah, no, we're excited to have you in. I, I'm really excited, actually, about this product, Bone Dry, that you have. I'm a guy who uses Camelbacks all the time. Um, I've got one actually hanging in the back of this RV that I'm recording from right now that I've been using with uh, my mountain bike and hiking this week while I've uh, been escaping the heat a little bit. So we're excited to, to have you in and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we're cut from the same cloth. I'm, I mountain bike and hike all the time, uh, do a bit of trail running. I'm always trying to keep myself fairly active. And uh, it, I was using hydration bladders or camelback backpacks all the time. And it was just a major part of my life. When you'd get done with that, you'd end up in, in the situation you're in right now where it's air drying somehow by creating some sort of an apparatus to prop it open and have that air move freely into it so that it doesn't become moldy or mildewy. And it seems to do that almost instantly, which is, for me was uh, just a terrifying notion of one, being wasteful and having to throw it out or, you know, even worse, having to spend a bunch of time scrubbing it and cleaning it. I'm, I'm joking, of course. I, it, <laughs> I just, uh, I, it, so I would always make sure to basically prop mine upside down on my um, paper towel dispenser. And that was the method that I would use to air dry it, you know, and because I'd be mountain biking or hiking so much, it would be there pretty much all week. I don't have that big of a, living space that I live in. And so it made it appear much messier than it actually is versus being able to maybe hide it in a coat closet (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) And I didn't like the idea of having to put my hiking gear in the freezer or something like that either. And and so I just, you know, the, the entrepreneur brain, I was like, there has to be a better way. And, uh, I have a background in, earth sciences and engineering kind of more as a a hobby and a little bit of school. And so it just kind of, I guess my preparation and my interest in the sciences, it kind of dawned on me. If I can't, if uh, bringing air to the moisture is inefficient and doesn't allow me to put my gear away immediately, what if I brought the moisture to the air? Then could I put my gear away immediately? That's where the idea for Bone Dry was born. I started experimenting with a bunch of fibers uh, that could transport moisture from one area to another. And that actually called upon a, a prior career I had in, uh, uh, with another startup um, in hydropower. 
And so I understood a little bit about hydrology and the way things worked and uh, started experimenting with different fibers and uh, came up with something that worked really well. Um, and then that's how Bone Dry was born. I, I <laughs> sat on a sewing machine myself and sewed the prototypes initially and, uh, you know, teaching myself just to operate the sewing machine was a venture <laughs> in itself. <laughs> you know, you, you draw, I, I'm really good at making like engineered drawings, like on grid paper. I'm like, yep, this is, this is going to be smooth. But creating the, the sewing method and, and everything, it was probably a lot harder than it needed to be had I had some sort of background in sewing um, or had the, uh, the finances to, to pay somebody at the time. You know, basically I was looking at, hey, I, 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 th- I have this much in my savings account and, you know, could I bootstrap this? Um, and was basically... Um, into that sort of a mode. When I tried those prototypes initially, they they just worked and it was really exciting. So I gave a few of those goofy prototypes to my friends and they verified, yeah, this isn't your imagination. This is this is actually working. So uh, it was a, a really exciting time. And then I did what I do best. I took it to an Excel spreadsheet and I, you know, really charted out the feasibility on it and created a, a business plan and a, a pathway forward. Um, so, and just began executing on it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool story. There's so many inventions, there's so many, you know, entrepreneurs that get their start that way, right? I mean, I think it was Ron Popeil, isn't he the guy with the fruit dryer and all that, that did all the infomercials that, that always said that was his catchphrase, there's got to be a better a better way, right? And so, you know, it's really cool to hear a story about you just saying, look, this is something I use all the time. I'm an active guy and it's a really cool product that was made, but the care for that product is not great. And so let's figure out a better way to, to deal with that care. And so, you know, you've, you've got an interesting story and really the reason that you're active compared to, you know, Landon and I and, and most of us, uh, let's call ourselves uh, older men and the dad bod and deciding that we want to get, you know, healthy and be more active that way. You, you have a little bit of a different story. So why don't we back up a little bit and have you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into an active lifestyle and, and what led you to kind of some of this uh, stuff that you're doing today. Yeah, of course. Um, I, so in, uh, back in 2016, um, I was, I started feeling, I, you know, really with some hindsight, I look back and I'm like, man, this is, this wasn't so abrupt. It like, uh, there was definitely signs I was showing symptoms, but, uh, in that June, I, uh, my kidneys failed and I became very, very sick, very disoriented. When I first went to the, the, the hospital or, or to the doctor, they basically you know, turned me around. They're like, yeah, you, you seem fine. We're, we're going to, you know, take some blood work to kind of indulge you. And I'm like, no, something's very wrong here. <laughs> and they discovered that, you know, my, my kidneys had failed. And so then we started looking through what my life looked like through there. And I, uh, I, I knew that 
people that were diagnosed with kidney failure um, or kidney disease, uh, eventually, if they're if nothing changed and their con- kidneys just stayed, you know, they never stayed at the same level of failure. They they got worse, and so eventually, I would need to get on dialysis, and then and then eventually, I would need a kidney transplant. And then I looked at the data that was around, you know, how large of a period that of time that puts mm-hmm. you in. And it, it's not that long. Being in the low end of stage three, where I was, to stage four is just a, a little bit of a blip in time. And that's what, stage four is where you need dialysis. And then stage five is also not a large period of time or condition. And that's where you need a kidney transplant. And so uh, that that terrified me. And so I started researching uh, things I could do to reverse the issue. You know, my nephrologist talked a little bit about reducing the amount of protein in your diet, um, which I, I did, and how important uh, being active was. And then I continued to research those points out. And it turns out that your kidneys are, are very similar to your heart, that they react well with a plant-based diet, that the protein in plants is not abrasive to kidneys in the first place. And, and that's really why they limit your protein is because there's a bit of abrasion there. Some argue that's why we evolved a second kidney is to deal with that little bit of abrasion. Most healthy people you're going to be fine. Uh, for me, I wasn't. So, <laughs> so then I realized, you know, pretty quickly that, and then, uh, uh, then referencing the heart condition, exercise and creating a good cardiovascular system would translate into healthier kidneys. And so I started looking at any way that that fit for me. And uh, eventually it developed a love for the outdoors, uh, hiking, uh, mountain biking, road cycling, uh, and, you know, trail running and things like that. And, uh, and then coupled with my, my change in diet, I was able to recover my kidneys to perfect uh, running condition. Uh, in, in fact, <laughs> I had a, uh, emergency room doctor make fun of me, uh, cause I went in there cause I was still feeling the, the effects of whatever greater sickness has caused my kidneys to fail. I mean, uh, it, I'm still feeling the effects of that. And so I was in the, the hospital and, uh, I told him, you know, that I had kidney disease and uh, he's like, hey, uh, who told you really that you have kidney disease? And I said, uh, you know, my primary care doctor and my nephrologist, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't just me, whip, you know, opening the Internet, choosing something. <laughs> and he said, well, your kidneys are acting fine. And he threw the blood work kind of on me. And I was like, oh, wow. this!" And so ever since then, I've just kind of maintained the course. Um, and it was a, uh, a good lesson into not allowing yourself, just because you're, you know, throwing a bad card doesn't mean that you have to become a, a victim of the situation. Even if you end up losing the fight, 
you don't have to uh, become a victim of it. You can you can become proactive, become accountable for yourself, and and that's something that I've taken with me not only through my personal care and health, but into business as well. You know what what can I change? What what can I do better? Yeah, I think that's a huge lesson for all of us, Everett. You know, I <clears throat> I um, well, first, I don't have any idea what it, what it's like to have kidney disease, but I am a kidney stone manufacturer. I've passed <laughs> like sorry. 25 yeah. kidney stones in my wow. lifetime. Um, and it's actually the most recent was just this past week. And so it, it's just one of those things that I've, I've changed to where I, I actually pass fewer of them now, but my body just generates so much calcium that I, I can't really avoid it. So I take I take a different supplement and I drink a lot of water and I exercise and you know, do whatever I can to, to avoid so many kidney stones. Um, but I still, I still do manufacture them. So I, I don't understand what you're going through, but I think the lesson is very poignant, right? Just because you were dealt the bad hand doesn't mean that we don't work our way through it. And that's a lesson for entrepreneurs. It's really a lesson for, for everybody, right? Because so many entrepreneurs, have failed, you know, five, six, seven times, and then their 10th venture becomes hugely successful and everybody thinks they're an overnight success, right? Or, you know, maybe you grew up in a single parent household, or maybe you grew up very poor, or, you know, whatever it is, whatever that hand that you're dealt doesn't mean that that's what your destiny is going forward, right? And I'll just share a quick story. I didn't plan on sharing this, but since you brought it up with this particular story, I, I had somebody reach out to me on LinkedIn about two weeks ago to connect with me. And I looked at the profile and I, and I, he's got kind of this cool idea. He's just kind of putting together a, a group for young entrepreneurs. What I didn't realize before today was how young, right? So the guy that I spoke with on Zoom earlier this morning, who is running this young entrepreneurs foundation and wants to put together financial literacy classes. And that's why he reached out to me is a rising senior in high school. So he jumped on the zoom meeting with me today and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, yeah, he's young. But when I finally asked him what he's doing for school now and what his plans are for the future, he said, well, I'm a, I'm a rising senior in high school and I'll be applying to these colleges. And I just, I fell out of my chair because one, he's a Chinese immigrant, so you can look at that and say, you know, maybe someone call that dealt a bad hand. Not necessarily. I'm trying to get political here, but Chinese immigrant has to come to the United States, learn a different language, and has grown up extremely poor with parents who are just trying to provide a better life for him. And instead of understanding that he was dealt a big a bad hand, he's figuring out a way to not only lift himself up by the bootstraps like you did with your with your company here but he's now trying to help others lift themselves up by putting together this whole group and saying, let's help children who grow up in impoverished situations to have a hand up, right? Let's help them learn financial literacy. Let's help them understand that they can start their own businesses. They don't have to come from money to be able to build an organization. So I, the fact that you shared that, I thought maybe I'd, I'd share that story because it was just shocking to me that one, a 17 year old would, would have the guts to reach out to a guy like me, you know, 20 years in the business to, to ask me to come and teach financial literacy classes, but to do it as a 17 year old Chinese immigrant was very impressive. Yeah. I'm always impressed by, uh, other people's circumstances. I, uh, 
I learned younger, not too young like that. I, I wish I was more mature at that age. But, you know, when I was, uh, you know, about 20, I went and uh, experienced some things uh, with people in different lo- walks of life. And it, it, it brings a presence in the back of your head. And I, I hope people grab that when they go traveling or, or go other places that, uh, you know, the, to expect of everybody what you expect of yourself is that's, that's a lot to ask. Um, but the, I think that like the, when you compare yourself to those people, it can help guide you and, and can help you to grow, uh, beyond where you thought you could be. Uh, cause you're like, Hey, you know, this is, this is just kidney failure. You know, this isn't, this isn't, um, you know, brain cancer, or this isn't, this isn't having to grow up in China with, and, and, come over and, and start a whole new base. You know, I have people that love me here, you know, and, and so it gives you something to a little bit of perspective on a daily basis. Cause there's days when you're like, man, <laughs> in business and everything else, I have failed everything. <laughs> I am awful. <laughs> you know? And I mean, when you're filling your lumps, you don't know how you can take that next step. But if you kind of take those opportunities and, and look around you a little bit and with a little bit of, uh, you know, free of judgment, you can make a lot of progress on yourself that way. Yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in, Everett. I, I appreciate you sharing that story. I think uh, it, it's going to resonate with not just Austin and Karen and myself, but I think with everybody listening because everybody's got a cool, unique story that is that is certainly uh, involved with challenges and, and, you know, ups and downs. And so we sure appreciate you sharing that, but now you've kind of found your, found your way here and um, your story has evolved into this really great new product, really great new business. Um, but tell us the story about how you came up with, with the name of your business. So tell us what the name of your product, your business is and, and tell us how you came up with it. All right. Well, that. Uh, I've always loved dinosaurs and been somewhat of a fanatic, and I just uh, and and that's basically why. But that that love of dinosaurs is actually that's what kind of provoked me to love sciences, love engineering, uh, learn more about all forms of things, not not just what was going on with the animals um, that existed at that time, but what goes on with animals now, hydrology. And it basically, you know, that love for them, in a way, helped to invent bone dry. You know, without that base, I don't think it would have dawned on me. I mean, this technology of using hydration bladders is over 25 years old. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's kind of up with something like it, you know. And and so that it's just, uh, it, so I, I wanted to make sure that I was kind of being authentic. It was something authentic me, something that I could, you know, really bring out in myself and kind of point fun of myself with because I'm a, you know, 38 year old man and I love dinosaurs and I, and I tell everybody about that all the time and they kind of poke fun at me, but you know, it's a, it, it makes it a little bit more fun. It built, and for me, it kind of builds a relationship between me and uh, customers or, or me 
and people that encounter Fossil Outdoor because it's basically saying, you know, this is our common ground. We, we've all come from a point where, you know, we've thought dinosaurs were amazing. And, uh, and so that I wanted to bring that to the company. And then Bone Dry was just kind of a, a happy coincidence. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, that is really punny. I should use that. And then unfortunately, the IP kind of surrounding Bone Dry as it's spelled naturally was taken in a way like there's just a lot out there. It's not like they'd have it in my vertical. I could probably get it if I wanted it. But I just was, uh, I thought coming up with a kind of an odd spelling. So uh, a lot of people say Bondry, Bondry, Bond, you know, various forms of it. And and that's kind of fun to work through too, because, you know, it gives people like, oh, no, it's bone dry. <laughs> Things to talk about. Very cool. And now I'm, I'm not in studio, so I, I can't quite uh, see what's on your shirt, but they, they look like they may be dinosaurs. Am I, am I right here? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, these, this is my Stegosaurus shirt. Um, okay. It, the, I, I wear it too much. very cool very cool well we want to hear more about this but we're gonna uh take a quick break here everett and uh hear from one of our uh, very generous sponsors that we really appreciate at paylocity we deliver more than our awesome product suite with crazy good reviews we prioritize your success by covering you with a deep support system to back up our easy-to-use, innovative HR solutions. Everything we do is designed to support you in reaching your goals. Together, we tackle your day-to-day work so that you can spend more time building the culture you and your employees crave. For professionals who crave true partnership, Paylocity is the HR and payroll company that frees you from the tasks of today, so together we can spend more time focused on the promise of tomorrow. Let's go forward together. All right, we're back. So, Everett, I can see you in the studio moving some things around. You want to explain to us what you're moving around there in the in the studio? And for our listeners, we're we're all remote this week. I think I mentioned already. I'm traveling in my RV to get out of the heat a little bit, and Landon's still in Las Vegas playing uh, Twin Parents. <laughs> Mr. Mom, that was the term I was looking for. I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I, I kind of wanted to, for the people that are watching on video, I wanted to explain how it's used. And I'll try to narrate what I'm doing in the best way possible so that, you know, people that are only listening can kind of get an idea as well. So this is a, a two liter hydration bladder. Um, it's pretty common. Actually, this, this particular type is one of my favorites. It's uh, an Osprey branded one, but it's actually from Hydropack. So it, it, you can find these in a lot of different backpacks, REI and everything, and they don't have that plasticky taste. And so the plasticky taste isn't really something I'm involved with, but it's something people are really concerned with. And, and I get that. I understand why. But there's actually a little bit of moisture and the camera is a little bit far away, but, you know, there's maybe an inch, half an inch-ish of moisture still in here. And so got a bone dry here. And so what you would do is you'd basically come home from your hike, you just rinse it out. And then when you had it, you know, mostly dry-ish, 
you just have to slide the bone dry down into the hydration bladder where it will go to work absorbing all the moisture in the hydration bladder. And if you could see it in the video, it's going really fast. <laughs> in fact, that entire inch of water is already gone while I've been talking. And then now the water is in the bone dry and it's using the capillary action of the fibers to be pulled up the entire length of the bone dry where it'll be released and evaporate out the end here. And so, again, kind of referencing, if I couldn't bring the air to the water and be efficient, I can bring the water to the air. The same physical processes are still existing. It's just the location of them. And so that's, that's basically, uh, that's, that's the bone dry. That's how to use it. You can see that it's only two steps. So it's rinse your hydration bladder, insert bone dry. You're done. Now you can put your gear away. You don't have to worry about it until next time you use it. So, um, you know, if that's your next hunting trip or if it's, if it's your next time uh, climbing a mountain in a few days or, or whatever, uh, you, you don't have to think about it. It doesn't have to be in everybody's line of sight, making your house look dirty or occupying your freezer. And then uh, this, this I wanted to bring in as a little bit of show and tell. This is uh, also a bone dry, but a lot of the hydration bladders have put support systems inside of their, in the bladder. So like uh, one brand will put like a bisected area right in the center. And that means, and I knew that was existing. And I also knew I was trying to bootstrap a business. So I had to do some value engineering because to sew a divide in the bone dry, uh, 3x the cost because it made it a lot more expensive to get to do the cut and the sewing for that product. And so this is a value engine, a short term value engineering uh, solution where basically I put a seam on either side of the bone dry as a compromise. It also benefits as some sort of a su support. But then if you have one of those type of batter bladders, you can cut up, make it look like a small pair of pants and slide it into your hydration bladder and it will work. Do I like it the best? No, it drives me crazy because I would prefer it being perfect right out of the gate. But I've learned from other entrepreneurs here in the area that if you spend all time, all day in analysis paralysis trying to make it perfect, sometimes you'll never release your product. And so, and you'll never be able to prove that it's worth having in the market. So, so that's basically why I came up with that value engineering compromise. I, I'm thankful for my customers that have, they're clearly cooperating with that move and because uh, they're giving me great reviews regardless. In the future, I, I would love to make it so it, it one, fits all bladders and, <laughs> and, and has that divide, but it, it has to make dollars and cents sense for me to be able to get there. So, um, And then this is the way that it arrives. It's a, for those of you that aren't seeing a video right now, it's a three and a half by 17 and a half inch rectang black rectangle. And I just have some packaging on it with some that is um, kind of just representing my brand, the mountain bike thing and, and everything like that. So 
that's kind of a walkthrough on the product. I guess I could, one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, when I was creating Bone Dry, it was not only important for me to create something that was functional and worked really well. I wanted to create something that was environmentally responsible. So it took me a lot of problem solving because I was like, well, if you use this material, you it might be sustainably found, but it might add to waste later when people are using their, you know, it you add to the landfill problem. And so I, what I tried the best to do when I was moving through this was to uh, find uh, fibers that were sustainable, uh, ethically sourced, of course, uh, which is another thing to look at. And then, uh, and then, uh, so, so what I ended up with, excuse me, is, uh, something that's about 55% biodegradable and all of those biodegradable elements were sustainably sourced or from things like bamboo and other cellulose sources and other plants that can be regrown really quickly. And then uh, the remainder of it is made from 100% recycled plastic bottles. And so although it didn't completely execute my mission of, you know, being non-existent after its use, it, it's as close as I can get it right now. And doing that all within the confines of, you know, being a first timer requesting fabric, that's a novel experience as well. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, that, that's a perfect dovetail into my next question. So I, I believe that you do all your manufacturing here in the U.S., right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that if you were to uh, outsource that overseas, that you would probably save a few bucks. So talk to us a little bit about why you are manufacturing that in the in the US and and how does that how does that translate over to you know your business and the monetary function of your business. There's two parts of that uh two answers that could fit in there and one of them's not entirely monetary. Uh well it it does end up being monetary at the end of it but basically if I go overseas right now, I put my, even though I have uh, patent protections and things like that in place and, and forming right now, if I go overseas and somebody knocks me off uh, because they I've given them the recipe and I'm only, as my patent and my IP that I have here in the United States is only as good as I can protect it. It's only as good as I can enforce it. And being a bootstrap startup, I didn't want to put myself in the position of where I'd be hanging myself immediately if I just put it out there. They saw some success, knocked me off, and then I can't compete because nobody recognizes a Fossil Outdoor brand as being superior versus whatever brand. So it was important to me prior to... Uh, considering moving overseas or doing something like that of creating a brand that had enough reputation that that people could could follow it and then 
from a dollar and cents perspective, it has caused me uh, quite a bit of friction to to make that choice because just manufacturing here in the United States where I could do create something like this, probably the way I want it, you know, with the split in there, I could do it at pennies on the dial or if I went over to like Vietnam or or China or somewhere like that. A lot of our cut and sew goods actually come from like Vietnam and and uh, Southeast Asia. But I thought that there would be a way for me to do it here in the United States. And so I basically started talking to a lot of people about my idea and, and not being, uh, just sharing what I intended to do. And some people smarter than me or more experienced with me than me were able to kind of point out like, hey, we have cut and sew here in the United States. You can do a con- contract cut and sew operation and you can create things here in the United States. And so I started diving into all of that and figuring out the best way to do that. And then I was still pricing myself out of it. You know, like I said, I went through that Excel spreadsheet early on. I was like, yeah, this is uh, still not penciling. And, uh, but then I talked to some other people that were, had their operations entirely here in the United States. Uh, One's a, a growing outdoor retail, they make, what is it, merino wool? They use merino wool and they create clothing up in Colorado. And he said, basically, just start building your own your own thing. And so I, I considered that for a bit. And as I was kind of looking at the exact way to, to do that, I found a great partner, uh, which is a, a really early stage startup of a um, of a cut and sew, and we've basically merged ourselves together into this common effort that hey, we can create these things and uh, lift our lift each other up. And uh, you know, as we as we move along, I think they'll evolve into something that's a little bit more all in house. Um, but right now, that's kind of the way that we've. I've created a way where, hey, now this now this pencils, I can bring it to market. We can actually test it. And so that's been a really exciting thing. And the most exciting part of that is that I've done it right here in in Phoenix. Um, and so we we have a, a group and we have been able to actually do it from home. <laughs> so so that's been really nifty. Uh, we the, as far as like slowdowns of of giving getting additional inventory through this uh, through this time, uh, we haven't had to worry too much about that. Safety is an issue. Uh, we do think about that a lot. Um, as far as like you know sickness <laughs> and and keeping our our eventual customers safe. Um, I especially early on, I don't think any of us really knew how uh, the thing spread. In a, in a decent way. And now as we kind of understand it a little bit better, we're still taking precautions and things like that. I think that, I think that's fascinating to hear the different iterations that you've gone through and, you know, you've just kind of figured things out along the way, which is a big indicator of somebody who understands that sometimes it doesn't come together the way that you think it will. Right. And, 
And it's funny that you said, you know, I wanted to wait until it was perfect to put it out, but people kept telling me I should get it out. And you know, we had a guest on, Will Button, just a few weeks ago that talked specifically about that. And he sees it a lot in tech startups, um, wanting to have a perfect software or a perfect app or, you know, whatever it is and, and waiting to get it out there. But the fact that you get it out there is, in, you know, in your eyes, an imperfect specimen. Um, it's out there and people are giving you good positive feedback and, you know, you're figuring out and bringing in revenue. I think that it's fascinating to, to watch. And, you know, I sit there and watch that and, the, you know, the video is a little bit far away, like you said, and I know Karen was taking some pictures, so we'll be able to see those online and as, uh, all this kind of stuff gets posted after the fact. But, you know, it, it just makes me think of everything you don't want to have happen at your house when your water heater bursts, for example, and that drywall just sucks that water right up, right? It wicks it right up the wall and goes up the wall or a hurricane or whatever it is. And so, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to me to see that you figured that out. And really, it, all it is is just a moisture wicking product, but something valuable that people want, people need, and it makes their camelbacks and their, their hydration bladders last longer. And it's it's fascinating that you, you know you just figure out a way to say gosh you know what i think there's a business here and you went out and did it so it's very inspiring for all of us we appreciate you sharing that story let's let's take Thank a you. quick break and go uh listen to uh a commercial from our second sponsor and we'll come back and ask you a few more questions about the future of fossil outdoor whether you're an established local company or a brand new startup you can count on gbs to be part of your family we're not just any benefits consulting firm, we're GBS. We have nearly 30 years of experience in group benefits, a strong sense of purpose, and it shows. GBS, believe in something better. GBSbenefits.com. All right, we're back. So, uh, Landon, if I cut you off, go ahead and jump in. I'm not sure if I cut you off, if you had a follow-up to that last segment before we ask him a little bit more about the future of Fossil Outdoor. No, I didn't have a follow-up, but... That being said, and now that you pass it over to me, yeah, Everett, um, just talk to us, talk to us a little bit more about where the company is today and, and where you see it going in the future. We want to, we want to know what, uh, what we can expect from you in the, in the, in the near future here. Yeah. So right now we are, it's moving. It, <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, it, the, the, it's starting to, it, it was really laggy for for quite a while, and uh, you know, you really had to wake up some morning to go, yeah, just just do it, keep going. You're you're doing the right thing, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's actually uh, starting to move fairly well. I it's hard to tell for me, unfortunately, for using my analyst brain. If it's because people are more, uh, all my marketing and everything is. All of my business is direct to consumer, meaning that I market through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, as far as Google, and uh, and then people click the link and then they buy from my store. Some people will become aware of me and then they'll go to Amazon and and purchase it there, but which I consider quasi direct to consumer, and so. Uh, it, that's kind of it's hard to know though if people are spending more time on their phones and buying more because of the because we're all locked in our homes <laughs> uh and 
and people aren't going to work or, or weren't going to work, or if it's because of the typical outdoor retail sales cycle. So meaning that things kind of heat up during the summer, uh, cool off slightly in fall and then boom through the holidays, right? And so I can't get a clear picture there, but I'm, I'm really happy in any case that these things are, are, are selling consistently and uh, we're, we just ordered a lot more fabric. We upped our production. Um, and, and so things are starting to, to, to move and, and that feels really good. And I'm, I'm really, again, grateful to all of our, our customers because, I mean, you're kind of hanging in there with us, you know, back to the, it, <laughs> this isn't the, the best version of it. It's operational. It's great. And people love it. But, you know, what we're going to continue to grow upon it and, and improve it and make it better. And I, I think that, you know, if you are a Fossil Outdoor customer right now, you're probably, hopefully, you'll, you'll kind of buy in with us and be like, hey, uh, those people over at Fossil Outdoor, Everett, they got good vision. They have, they're listening to our recommendations uh, when we give them criticism, they actually listen and try and are willing to put it into future products to to do everything they can to be honest with it while remaining, you know, tight to a, a, their own like ethic of, of uh, you know, being sustainable or being environmentally conscious. And so, you know, with that, the, the future of Fossil Outdoor is one going to adapt this technology a bit. Uh, one of the th things that keeps coming out in social media, in our comments and stuff, is when are you going to come out with something for hydration flasks, which for those of you that may not be familiar, are just like hydration bladders that you would use for your hydration backpack, uh, the, the giant two-liter ones. But the flasks are smaller ones that might be the same as like a normal water bottle that you could stuff into your running shorts, into the front of, end of your running backpack and into the odd place. So if you're a trail runner or an ultra runner or, or even a marathon runner, it might be a little bit more comfortable than carrying around a, a, a conventional, you know, hard bottle. And so we've done some engineering into that. And so I, I thought it be kind of fun to announce the new product on the show. And so I, I actually brought it and it's called Lil Bone. And, and again, it's just a little bone dry that fits in those size of uh, hydration flasks. And it's just, uh, this one is about an inch and 1.75 inches maybe wide. And so you can fold it slightly, stuff it into any opening of or any normal opening of a like a that a plastic bottle would have and then it will it's long enough it's about 14 inches that it fits most of the bottles um and so hopefully by the end of today or tomorrow this will be available for pre-order on the website but uh that's been answering an additional pain point that was pointed out to us by our consumers by the, by the people that are out there doing the same type of activities we do. And, uh, and 
so that was you know kind of a an easy grab there i'm i'm currently working on a a bunch of different ideas with using the same technology uh we've expanded the patent a lot from what we had in the provisional to what we actually submitted and uh i i think it gives us a lot of wiggle room to expand uh, hydration transport technology, if if you will, I just came up with that right now. I don't know if that, <laughs> but uh, but additionally, you know, I there there are some other pain points which, as a hiker, mountain biker, that I have discovered, and so in the same in the spirit of remaining keeping this in kind of a bootstrapped environment. I'm just kind of waiting on those um, to to see when the right time would be. Um, and I think I will be become known for an, being an innovative company that uh, is going around solving pain points in the outdoor industry that have existed for, you know, in in some cases forever but <laughs> but in this case 25 years since the technology was invented in the near near future though we'll be coming out with some uh there's a a mountain biking t-shirt that we're going to be coming out with that's more of a thing to commemorate national parks it it wears great evaporates moisture quickly is really comfortable to wear um and then it's going to commemorate national parks and a portion of the proceeds from that will go to the National Forest Foundation, which we've partnered with. Um, you can donate to them on our website and or or through their own website. Um, but be, what they're doing in the way of, of rejuvenating our national forests is, is really awesome and something I wanted to be a part of. Um, and, and so a portion of those, uh, of those mountain bike t-shirt sales will, will go to that. They also would work for hiking or camping or whatever, but they're kind of intended to be a little bit more durable. So if your backpack or whatever is riding on them, they don't wear away immediately. Or if you go over the handlebars the way I tend to do, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm right there with you. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I uh, I'm currently healing from <laughs> some mountain bike related issues. Hey, Everett, quick quick follow up uh, question for you. Um, well, before I ask the question, let me make a statement. Um, I love how you used our platform to announce your new product. Uh, I just think that that is so cool, man. So we, we didn't know that you were going to do that. So <laughs> that's awesome. And, and thank you for uh, doing that. And uh, certainly wish you the best of luck with a new product. It seems like um, it will be successful just like the other one was. I think the Austin would probably be more interested in the little bone dry. Um, we, we, we won't get into that uh, too much detail, but that's something he might be more interested in. But I want to know, um, you mentioned earlier that um, you're doing all direct to consumer. So I, I think our listeners are probably thinking this because I'm thinking it. Um, why, why direct to consumer and why, why not retail? Talk to us about how you made that decision. Um, that was 
primarily an access uh, issue. Um, I I knew that if I went direct to consumer, it there were no barriers to entry. Um, I I have a very close friend of mine who uh, has has had a direct to consumer business that was a uh, you know f- fairly good success, and it was in the women's hair products industry. And he taught me a lot of what he knows of, about that. So again, leaning on the expertise of other people, uh, not being afraid afraid to ask questions or receive advice, helped me there. I've been working on getting into retail. Um, it's just it hasn't materialized. I've I've been fairly uh, boots on the ground about that. Uh, you know, going to different retail shops and, you know, requesting that they carry the product. And it it just hasn't materialized yet. From what I've heard with retail, you have to first put it in a place where they have no choice but to have it. So maybe going direct to consumer first helps me get there to where, you know, Walmart has no choice but to carry it in their stores or uh, not. I don't know. I chose them first, but <laughs> but if I'm being fairly honest, I like the way that REI does business. And you might be able to tell from a lot of the things that I've said and the moves I've made. I've tried to f- imagine if I was an ideal REI product, how would I be put together? What type of business would I be? And and I've done a lot of patterning around that. So, you know, getting into REI and and similar shops like that is a goal of mine. Um, there's a few other strategies I'm working on right now that are less conventional. Um, maybe using, I've noticed there's a lot of licensing deals that are apparent to me don't exist as much as brand partnerships that I've seen recently. So like this, for example, this, this Osprey brand hydration bladder that I brought. Hydropack actually makes it, but they put the branding of Osprey. So it's not that hydration pack has branded or licensed it with Osprey. It's kind of a, a, a different direction there. And so I'm exploring some different things like that uh, with people. With this whole thing, I've tried to, I, I the go, jumping way back, the business plan I originally made at this point is a joke. Uh, I've tried to cling to principles from it, but it is more of a, I've remained very, very fluid in the way I move forward, finding the path of least resistance and trying to grow the business in that way. Um, which, funny enough, is the way water behaves and why capillary action works. <laughs> That's interesting. No, I, I think, well, there are a couple of things, actually. And, and before that very last question Landon asked, I, I would have maybe looked at this a little bit differently. Um, but I think what you've shown us, Everett, is that, you know, there, there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there that really actually are inventors, right? And so they'll just, they'll invent a product and then they'll invent another product and then they'll invent another product, but they're not great at running the business. It sounds like you've got some more business side to you than a lot of entrepreneurs do, right? 
And so I guess my, I'll phrase my question this way. It's kind of a final question before we go in, and then I'll make a quick statement before I do that. But um, so the quick statement I'm going to make first is that actually after the show last week with some, some guests that were on from Verifax Marketing, I talked to them about something that made them unique and being vulnerable with their customers and their clients. Right. And, and you've actually done that and are currently doing that and and realize that your your clients and you've thanked them many times or their customers, however you want to call it, have, have kind of grown with you. Right. And what I've learned is that in the age of Internet, that that's OK. Right. People understand consumers understand that you're just a guy who had an idea that decided that you wanted to fix something. And maybe it was just for you personally, but now you're looking at it saying, you know what? A lot of other people have this problem too. And so I'm, I'm going to fix it, but you're being vulnerable with your customers and your customers actually will become more loyal to you because of that. You're being honest with them. You're telling them the weaknesses, you're, but you're showing them that it does work. It does solve a problem that they have and it's not perfect yet, but you're going to continue to work on it to get it to its perfection but if they'll stick with you, they will be rewarded for that and they've done it. And so, you know, hopefully it isn't just a summer uptick in your sales. Hopefully it's that the message is getting out there. People are realizing that somebody has solved a problem that is very real for them. And I think a lot of it has to do with you being vulnerable with your, with your customers in that way. And so I, I applaud you for that. Well, thank you. The last, yeah. The last question that I'll ask you, and then we'll have you tell us, you know, how folks can find you on, on all the different social platforms and so forth. But just quickly, um, do you consider yourself more of an inventor or do you consider yourself somebody who has some, some ideas but has the chops behind you, so to speak, to also run the business? And do you want to run the business as it potentially grows into a large organization? Or do you want to be the guy behind the scenes that just continues to invent things and you bring other people in to help run the organization? I would say my... My expertise is as a as a CEO. I'm very good at understanding on how to move projects forward and how to move a company forward. Um, I've been through uh, this is my fifth startup. Uh, you'll notice I'm not at those other startups. Um, I've understood. I understand what those missteps were, or or a lot of them were circumstances and just being able to get it back up and, and then try again. A lot of it is to, and so my, my, my biggest desire with this is to create a company that, you know, continues to grow, is accepting of uh, new ideas and, and really just does business the right way. And I think I know how to pilot it in that direction while be being profitable and and getting to what you need to do as a business to be sustainable long term. Um and and so as far as like the the inventing side of it, um I've always been kind of like a, a creative guy or a when I was a kid and, you know, I'd always be, be doing things like that. But I also understand what my limits are there. You know, the bone dry's existence kind of comes as a serendipitous result of my background in 
my interest in in fossils, earth science, engineering, okay? <laughs> and my ability to retain information like that, and and then this appeared. It wasn't like I'm a, a gifted inventor where I was, you know, tinkering away on on my next thing. Um, I'm I'm more gifted at tinkering away at creating business and, and creating a structure that multiple people can operate off of and not become confused uh, and get to a final direct or final objective. Yeah, th- thanks for answering that. I'm really glad I asked that question because everything that we talked about thus far was about the product for the most part. I mean, we talked about why you named the company Fossil Outdoor, but I would have pegged you as an inventor until Landon asked more questions and the way that you spoke about it, you could tell that there was a plan and that you, that you planned on running this company and building it into something that can be pretty great. So we look forward to watching you in the future and watching Fossil Outdoor grow. And uh, anytime you want to to uh, release a new product, you're welcome to do it on our show. So hey, all th- right. thank you very much. for <laughs> Yeah. Thanks again for doing that. And thanks for being here and, and just tell our audience real quick how to get a hold of you and, and uh, we'll wrap up from there. Yeah. So com. it's all one word. Um, that's the, the way that you can check out the company, see the product. Um, there's some videos on there. And then, of course, you can buy it there. Um, if you prefer to buy your stuff on Amazon, you can find it there, too. There's real no great way. But if you type in bone dry, B-O-N-D-R-Y, it seems to come up fairly quickly. <laughs> and then uh, at Fossil Outdoor on Instagram, at Fossil Outdoor on Twitter, and at Fossil Outdoor Inc. on Facebook. Awesome. Everett, great product, great story, great dude. Thank you so much for joining us today on uh, Tycoons of Small Biz. Appreciate you, man. Oh, thanks. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's been really fun. Thank you. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.